What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We've got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Juniors, John Morantz, Joe Johnsons, Jaw Rafts, of course. I, I we might we might have to remove John Morant from from the the intro to this podcast. I was going to ask you about that. We might have to. It was just a weekend, good and bad, for the Jays. Like, like ja, I don't know. Embiid, Harden, Jason Tatum. It was so 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 can we can we all pump the brakes on James Harden? James Harden was seven of twenty seven in games six and seven combined. Oh yeah, it played out exactly. I mean. You were right from the beginning, and it's not. I just wanted somebody to... went on a spiel on like a very, on a very popular podcast about how James Harden's playoff career is way better than people give him credit for. Sure, I, I mean, mean he's like, got some individual performances, in... but there was like an argument about you know in the last you know he has some of the best individual like single game performances of the last like ten years or something and. And I was like, sure. And and granted, like he gets credit for getting them to game six with a lead. Sure. He can have credit for that. Right. But he did exactly what he does every single time you need to close a series when James Harden is on your team. He disappeared. Yep. So they were awful. Awful. It was a good day for good week for Jason Day. First win okay, in five years. Go. So the Share. Jasons are really the winners. Sure. That's true. That's true. That's true. Tatum 51. Jeez. And I missed I, the third quarter of that game. It was like a oh, four yeah. point game at halftime. And then I looked up and they had won in the third quarter, like 33 to 10, and the game was over. Yeah, it was a three point game at halftime. Tobias Harris game? hit yeah. a three on the first, I think it was the first possession of the second half. It was tied. I believe the Celtics That's scored crazy. the next 24 points. That's crazy. And I've decided Jason Tatum is is one of those guys that if you're rooting against him, not him personally, but just rooting against mm-hmm. the Celtics, it's not like Steph where you just kind of go, well, it's Steph. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. He just takes so many. I mean, obviously, right? his game is built around taking and making bad shots. But when he gets going like that, it's just incredibly frustrating because he's not Steph, but also he basically turns into Steph because he's not going to miss the open ones once he starts hitting the contested ones. And he just right. takes whatever shot he wants. And I mean, he was hitting everything. So maybe, maybe Jimmy Butler, I guess is, he's still there in a, in a temporary role, at least at this point. Yeah. Right. Got to keep him in. So, until we, they get so we've got Jimmy Butler's as well. Welcome Jimmy Butler. Yeah. <laughs> but it might be time to like, like maybe we just need to follow the Grizzlies lead. When the Grizzlies suspend John Morant, and if the NBA suspends John Morant for the next season, which would be, like, would have to be a pretty unprecedented thing. I don't think that's, I don't think that's happened before. Has that happened before? I don't know. Gilbert Arenas got, I was only thinking about this because I read an athletic article making this point. Gilbert Arenas got suspended for the rest of the season, right? Right. But I think it was 50-something games. Mm. Okay. So that would be the closest. Yeah. I also am curious what suspended from team activities means on May 15th when your season is over. I'm right. Just I curious. saw somebody make somebody make that point, right? You can't. Go I mean, to the you draft do party. it. You do it like. Y- yeah. Right. It's more and, symbolic and, than anything, though. Right? right. It's a it's a we're taking this seriously yeah. thing. 
but at the same time i'd be like what does he miss out on right i'd be right. curious i'd be curious to know but yeah. yeah i had someone text me this morning and frustrated with the basically saying he didn't do anything illegal at least not yet what's with the i mean like yes he messed up but wow this isn't a, a egregious overreaction it's a text message i haven't responded to yet but at some point i mean it's a couple things it's the second time so clearly he didn't learn anything yep and for me it's it's just a it's such an unfortunate symbol of what he doesn't understand in terms of the impact that he has and the responsibility he has and and an athlete can go and say that he's not a role model. That's fine. But oftentimes role models don't get to, they're not deciding their role models. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes the people following your model right. get to decide whether or not you're a role model. Right. And young basketball players, young people in Memphis, they, they're, they're looking up to John Morant. They just are. And for him to, not seem to like in the video his buddy who's who's doing the instagram live when he realizes that he's showing john morant with a gun he like puts the phone on his thigh he like he basically cuts out the video so even even the buddy that john morant is with like the things click (laughs) faster than they're clicking for John Morant and it's just it's just it's super frustrating how how much he doesn't get it that is more than anything else and and also he's you know he's the guy that Nike put all their chips into he's the guy that became one of the three most popular players in the NBA. And with that, when you make silly decisions multiple times, and now you're the face of the franchise that might be the most hated in the NBA right now, it's these things, the backlash is going to be what, what, what we're seeing right now, but it is. I, I cannot believe I had conversations yesterday. If you told me two years ago, that in May 2023, I'd be having theoretical conversations with people about when you should trade John Morant while he still has trade value. Or just cut him. Or just cut him. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about things like, okay, what if we trade John Morant for Michael Bridges and hope that Fred Van Vliet doesn't pick up his player option and then you go after him? Uh, like, I had those conversations yesterday. And that is a crazy, crazy thing to have to do when with your guy that's been a first team all NBA member and was a rookie of the year and a year ago was the face of the darling of the NBA not the not the villain of the NBA and it's a a crazy turn of events yeah i just clearly he's not okay mm-hmm. and i just hope this time he gets the help he needs cuz that's the sad part of this too is it's it's not like like you pointing out right it's not quote-unquote legal trouble but clearly he's just not mentally in a space where he is well and thinking clearly and that's Mm -hmm. the scariest most important part is jaw the person and sure something obviously needs to happen there because 
right? Not only was it incredibly troubling the first time, but the fact that it has now happened again so quickly raises even more red, red flags, if that's possible. Yeah, there might even... I mean, there's an argument that can be made that suspending him from the NBA for an entire season could could save his life. If you right. if you right. can if you can get to him mm-hmm. because we're kind of on a track that if that if you told me that John Morant was in a like in a shooting accident or, you know, <laughs> wrong play like a really wrong place, wrong time, or was in the wrong place at a time that he created. I, I wouldn't be surprised by it, mm-hmm. and it's a good it's a good point that that's we got to fix that for Ja the person. It's yes. un, it's unfortunate that Ja the basketball player has to be caught up in it because when he's actually in the building, you still don't hear anybody around the Grizzlies saying a bad thing about when he's actually in the building. But when he's not inside FedEx Forum, then then clearly there are some issues and they need to be remedied for Ja the person and Ja the father and yes. you know all of those th- all of those things before before Ja the basketball player and Correct. in theory those things would help Ja the basketball player as well and I'm not naive that's why everybody wants Ja to get better because they're interested in Ja the basketball player that's fine but Certainly, certainly more important things than than his you know potential first team all first team all NBA selection, but we might have to certainly a very serious matter that that plays out on this podcast on a daily basis in a joking matter by the fact that we have him in our intro with a lot of other J names. So so perhaps he uh, perhaps Ja removed from from the the intro of the podcast for for the time being. And hopefully when we look up in eight months that that there's no reason for him to not be in in the in the intro at that point. All right, Josh. We are we're to the point where we're not we're not totally there, but we're close mm-hmm. to what the top of the sport is going to look like in twenty twenty two. 2023, geez, 2023, 24, geez. What the top of the sport is going to look like in 2023, 24. The transfer portal has closed. So anybody that's not in it already, you ain't allowed. The doors were locked and nobody has the keys. So you're not allowed in. And we're getting, there are still guys testing the NBA waters, but it kind of feels like at this point we have, like a crystal ball is really leaning one way or the other at this point. And as a result, it becomes easier to do things like a way too early top 10 for the 2023-24 college basketball season preseason, right? The idea here is it's impossible to actually predict what the, like who the top 10 teams are going to end up being. So as of May 15th, based on the information that we have a, a preseason AP top 10, if you will, that's the spirit that you're approaching this with, right? Yeah. Sure. Sure. So that's what we're going to do today. Is it more fun to start at one and go to 10 or start at 10 and go to one? I'm almost thinking one to 10. 
I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that's how we should do it. Okay. Do you have any issues with that? No. Because it might get more interesting when we're picking our last few teams. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Let's break our rule. <laughs> Wait, what's our rule? Usually we go the other way. I totally just spilled coffee on me. Totally just did that. That's okay, though. I think I, I feel like we we are we take liberties with that rule. If that is a I, I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't. I'm not totally sure I knew that was a rule that we had here. But when when numbers one, two, and three, and maybe there's a different order, but the first couple teams, like there are some there are some very obvious and strong candidates there, and when you get to ten, there's certainly to use the word again, there are some more liberties you can take there. So mm-hmm. I'm in. Let's start at one and and move to ten. Josh, when for your money, who's the who's the preseason number one team in the country? Duke. Dukey, the Blue Devils. Yep. Tell me why. I was thinking, and this is gonna be the fun part where we gotta qualify everything, right? We're making educated guesses about the future of all of these guys who are still in the draft most of whom are probably coming back assuming jeremy Rhodes returns that's your top four scorers from last season's team that team that okay did they deliver from start to finish no did they look awfully good by the end of the season yes and then you bring in of course another duke recruiting class also the fact that Filipowski. Mark Mitchell, right, first first go around. So you're expecting them to be take a jump. I mean, Phil Powski might be player of the year nationally. He's going to be in that conversation. At the end of the year. Before. He won't be preseason player. No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah, right, at, right, right. At the end yeah. of the year. We're talking about a legitimate first-team All-American candidate, though. Yeah. Right, so you get him. Now he knows how to do this, and he gets another year. So, right, some of these guys are still very young and have a lot of room for improvement. It's not like you're – bringing back a bunch of guys who have been at Duke for three years. And so you're kind of wondering, you know, what, right. If Filipowski is at Duke for another season after this, you're kind of wondering what happened, mm-hmm. but you also have some veterans on top of that. So it's easy to buy their improvement from the end of last season for me. And first, because they're, they're young, so right, figuring things out as the season goes along, and because of course John Shire's never done this before. So you put all of that together, they're probably going to be the most talented team in the country. I, I really like how this is setting up. It's it's hard to th- there are a lot of things that you can keep piling on when it comes to Duke yeah. this particular year. Um. They don't do this Kyle Filipowski thing a whole lot. When was the last time that Duke's best player from the season before came mm-hmm. back? Right. I'm asking you. Uh... Like, it might be, like, Redick. Kyle Sigler, have to... that Somewhere in the that was national Kyle, championship was, team? Was Kyle Singler the best player on that team the year before I... they won that t- title? I don't. I I don't know that. That I don't even know. I mean, you could argue he wasn't even the best player on the team. That I was just thinking that era. Oh, he definitely wasn't the best player on the team that won the title. Probably not. So, oh, oh, so maybe the answer is Nolan Smith. You might be right. I think the I think the answer to the question lies in who was on that twenty thirteen fourteen team, the team before 
They because because Nolan Smith didn't come back the year after. They all left the year after. I think. Yeah, I'm not gonna pretend like I remember. <laughs> and also, like you could you could maybe okay. Let's see. Well, I guess the answer. Let's look at the 2015-16 team first. Okay, no, the best player on the best player to return from the title team would have been like Grayson Allen, and Grayson Allen wasn't the best player on that previous team because. No. Um, that was the Brandon Ingram. So, and Luke Kennard wasn't the best player because Luke Kennard came back for a second year, mm. but Luke Kennard wasn't the best player on that 15, 16 team. Grayson Allen was. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at the 2013, 14 team. See, like Jabari Parker was the best player on the 2013, 14 team. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't Nolan Smith. Mm. Who was the best player on. Wait, Nolan Smith didn't play. I'm going back too far. Nolan Smith wasn't on that team. Yeah, so 2014, uh, 15, right. my bad. Yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad. Um, I think he came. I think he was the only one that came back after. Didn't he play another year? I think you're right. But I also have a soft spot for John Shire, the Duke basketball player. He probably wasn't the best player on that team, but there's an argument that he was. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he was the first team All American that year. Um. 2013-14, Mason Plumley was a senior. Seth Curry was the other guy. Those two guys averaged 17 per game that year. So Quinn Cook came back, but Quinn Cook wasn't the best player on that 13 on the 12-13 team. Man, we're moving backwards. Okay. Austin Rivers. Wow. Remember the year that Austin Rivers was the best player on Duke's basketball team? What a oh, yeah. time. What a time. 2010-11 was Nolan Smith was the was the the national championship team. No, sorry. No, no, not. That was the team after. So it would have been Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith's probably the right answer. Anyways, that was a rabbit hole that we didn't need to go down, but we did it anyways. (laughs) Your point is, your point is super valid that this is not something that Duke does normally. They usually don't have their best player come back. And then you add the, the four top 20 recruits. Now zero top 12, top 11 recruits. Their highest rated recruit at 247 Sports is Jared McCain, who is the number 12 player in this class, which is, right, we're still talking about four guys between 12 and 19, but you and I have had the conversation many times before that not all five stars are created equal. Yep. And usually, and more specific, right, the the 12th ranked player in the class and number one ranked player in the class, there's usually a pretty a pretty big difference there. But when you add that, when you add Filipowski in theory, Jeremy Roach will be back. So your backcourt is, you know, Tyrese Proctor. Um, it's it's very hard to it's very hard to to argue with you. Um Duke was in the running for my number one team. Uh Duke was not the team that I that I ultimately that I ultimately went with. Um I ended up going with with Kansas as my number one team. Um Dwan Harris, KJ Adams are back. Of course, you you add Hunter Dickinson to the roster. Um, and that's not the I mean, Hunter Dickinson is the best transfer that they got. They also added two other transfers that would be the best transfer in the class for like almost every other team in the country. Mm-hmm. And Arterio Morris, who's a former McDonald's All American, um Towson shooter, Nick Timberlake. And then you add a five-star freshman in El Marco Jackson. Uh, but this is really about uh, really about having a veteran point guard and one of the best bigs in the country. Um, 
and then plenty of of stuff around it and then you add bill self to the equation as well and so what you end up with is you end up with a lot more with duke like if if duke's freshmen are really good then duke will be one of the best teams in the country maybe the best team in the country they'll still be one of the 10 12 best teams in the country even if their freshmen just aren't that good but Kansas, I got five guys that I can roll out there on day one that have played a ton of college basketball. And and I am I'm I'm kind of to that point with with at least preseason top end talent. Um everybody's so good that that I'll that I'll lean on the on the guys that I mean Bill Self helps. And the team that that brings back real rock solid guard play a glue guy in KJ Adams and also a guy that is going to be he might be the preseason national player of the year next year suppose if Edie comes back it'll probably be Edie but Dickinson is on the very very short list for preseason national player of the year so those things combine for me they they edge out Duke ever so slightly and and it has a lot to do with with I just think the ceiling of Kansas has less to do with their freshmen than Duke's ultimate ceiling sure. will end up having. And for that reason, I'll lean, I'll lean Kansas. But if you told me on March 1st that, that Duke was better than Kansas, that like, if we look up on March 1st and Duke is better than Kansas, I won't be super stunned, but I feel like the odds are slightly, are, are lean towards Kansas just because of their proven commodities that uh that outweigh dukes uh just a little bit do you have duke number two i do have duke number two okay yes okay i will save my kansas thoughts until we get to them on my list wow okay but yes i have duke number two okay um i think i think we're gonna look up in two or three years and i I like i i think shire is spectacular i think shire is better than people like it'll take a few years before Shire is talked about in the upper echelon of the sport. I think I think he's there, and he'll will need to right get there. But the guy clearly knows what he's doing, and it's not going to take long before people are you know. I just used Bill Self in that, and part of that justification for number one, and the Shire justification this year will be, it's year two. He's a he's he's a little bit more comfortable. I don't think it's going to be long before he's on that list of coaches that is like a tiebreaker because he's so good. And, and I think, I think he's way closer than that than he is being added to the conversation, but it'll take a few more years before that actually happens kind of in full, but, but that's part of why they're also number two for me. And the other added benefit is, He's worked with most of these guys already, mm-hmm. right? It, it would be interesting if you had to then go to year two and completely rebuild your roster. He doesn't have to do the second part, right? He can kind of ease into this and go, okay, I, I did it. I got through a year. I've learned some things. Now I can apply those things with a lot of players I already know, right? How to get the most out of them. I know how to mm-hmm. work with them. So that's the next step. And then it's, okay, how do I turn my roster over year after year successfully? Which is kind of the right. sort of what you're saying with Bill Self, right? 
They'll still never coach Hunter Dickinson. Are we worried about it? No. No. He's just going to find a way to go give him 20. Uh, right. He's coached a million traditional bigs that he's right. turned into college basketball superstars, though. Right. And this guy's already coming to him a college basketball superstar. Right. So there's kind of right there. Like you said, it's going to take a little while, but mm-hmm. this is a nice kind of middle step for me where he doesn't have to do everything all at once. He just has to do a even better job with guys he's familiar with. So that helps, too. Correct. Correct. Okay. So I've got... I've got my two out of the way. Who, who's second on your list? Marquette. Marquette, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. They're coming. They're coming shortly. Oh my! I, my gut is still they get all five starters back. Now maybe it's four. Again, we're gonna have to see. I'm not gonna try and read anybody's minds in terms of NBA draft interest and starting professional career interest. But even if they get four starters, we know most of this team is coming back. And we know that the most important piece is coming back. So the cohesion is going to be there, even if they lose. It's my favorite thing that Tyler Kolick is yes. the most important player on the college basketball team. <laughs> okay, it's so my favorite lose, thing. If you live Olivier Maxine's prosper, obviously that's disappointing. He was very good last season, like they all were. But you have the cohesion. I heard play-by-play announcers are really hoping that he was. <laughs> the cohesion is going to be there regardless of how this all plays out, though. Mm-hmm. And the other part of this is, well, two things. One, look at how much better these guys got last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Nobody was expecting anything out of them, and they just brought the same team back and all of a sudden turned into the best team in the Big East. Mm-hmm. And two, they don't actually have to get much better now. Right? Just simply being who they were last season makes them national title contenders. Which sure. is what separates them from other teams. And you always like to harp on this point of why are we just assuming this team is going to take a big leap because they brought a bunch of guys back. Big right. fan of that point. There is no no leap that has to be taken. If they take a leap, the question is, can anybody beat Marquette? <laughs> or is but Marquette the best need, team like, in the country? Mar- this Marquette team, if nobody got any better, is not the third best team in the country. That's probably true. Yeah. So there will be need to be incremental improvement. Yes, sure, sure. Right. But, but, if, if but they certainly take, nothing that they went from two years ago to last year. Right. If they take a leap, we're talking about is Marquette the best team in the country? Is Marquette the national sure. title favorite? Right. Yeah, sure. I guess maybe I went a little overboard with that point. But that's the, there is no huge, oh, well, look, they bring all these guys back. So here's why they could get that much better and jump into that stratosphere. Marquette's starting mm-hmm. in that stratosphere. The question is whether they can deliver on it. And I have faith they can. I really like Marquette. I really like Marquette. Um, Marquette is not third on my list. Wow. Okay. Because Purdue has Zach Eady, and we're not <laughs> talking about like like we we have to. I guess this this is where we have a conversation about is this a list of the teams? If you were listing ten teams to win the national championship, is that what the AP top ten is, or is the preseason AP top ten? The, the the 10 teams that you would bet on to have the best seasons. Mm-hmm. I was because those things seem to second. be, those seem to think, the, those would seem to be the same thing, but they're slightly different. Oh yeah, they're not the same thing. No, no, no. Because having the best season and winning a title, like winning a title would be having the best season, right? So, but I think they're different. And I think you agree that they're different. Yes, 100%. And, 
and this is also a place where I think that your your freshman guards get to be sophomores. Like mm-hmm. I think that matters. And other than that, the only guy they're losing is Brandon Newman. And if you watched Purdue last year, sometimes you would do this thing where you forgot that Brandon Newman was on the floor. Um, and no, nobody, nobody is, nobody in the regular season knew how to guard Zach Eady. And the thing that, like, you stopped Zach Eady by stopping their guards from getting yep. the ball to Zach Eady. Correct. So as long as Matt Painter can just figure out how to teach his guards to get the ball to Matt to, to get the ball to Zach Eady, even when the pressure is high, like Zach Eady is going to average twenty five and fifteen. It's going to happen. So that's a pretty that's a pretty high floor for your team to have. Like nobody in the Big Ten figured out figured it out last year. And I'm not sure there's no Hunter Dickinson. Right, there's no Hunter Dickinson in the Big Ten next year. There's no Trace Jackson Davis yep. in the Big Ten next year. I mean, Purdue went 29 and six and didn't win a tournament game. I, I mean, there's nobody in the Big Ten that's going to stop him. So, this is not a conversation about. And I and I rode with both feet in the car with Purdue, and it was bad decision. But we're not talking about the tournament here. Mm-hmm. And and at some point, when Zach, when, like you have the national player of the year. If Zach Eady plays a full season next year in college basketball, he's going to be the national player of the year. I just I just don't see a world that anybody has better numbers than him. And and I mean there might be there might be one other big big ten team that, that cracks into these top ten rankings. Oh yeah, we're talking about one. Yeah. I mean like like one and that that team's on the outskirts. Of, I mean, like on the back end of this list? Yeah. They're certainly in tier two. There's a separation between the two. Yes, absolutely. So, so at, and, and just for what it's worth, there isn't another Big Ten team currently in Gary Parrish's top 25 and one yeah. at CBS Sports. I've seen some Wisconsin's at the end because they're, sure. bringing, you know, great. They, awesome. They're, they're Congratulations, great. Wisconsin. They're bringing back Try to stop like, Zach Eady. I was just trying to think of other Big Ten teams. Yeah, I mean, there, there's one. We'll get to them. So, so this is where Purdue goes for me. Purdue is absolutely – there's no reason to suggest Purdue is going to be worse in the regular season than they were this past year. Sure. Unless you believe in Brandon Newman's glue guy <laughs> energy. But they were a top three regular season team this, this past season. They're bringing Zach Eady back there, a top three preseason team for me. There's do you like four? I do. Okay. Marquette is four. All right. So we Marquette have the same four top finals. four teams, just different order. Purdue's four for you? Yes. I have Kansas three, Purdue four. Interesting. Okay. So talk to me. Talk to me about Kansas. Yeah. My, I'm going to have this thing with Kansas until it gets solved, which is, again, we're nitpicking here, right? <laughs> but who? Nits are certainly being picked. Yes. Who's the second guy? Because it's Dewan Harris isn't Frank Mason. Now, again, are you better on the interior than maybe you've ever been? Sure. You could make a case as a bookie because it would have gave you on both ends of the floor, maybe. But who right, you don't have and like we talked about before, you don't have the obvious 
guy who's been in the program to go carry the scoring load and complement what you have on the interior. Right. Mm. It was Abaji. It was Wilson. You kind of knew the progression was coming and it was just, can this guy deliver and become the next, you know, big 12 player of the year, all American kind of player. And the answer has just been yes. Therefore Mm -hmm. Kansas are national title contenders. This team is going to look differently because it's so transfer and new player reliant. Doesn't mean they can't get there. But I know that Duke has multiple guys. I know what I have in Marquette. I have more questions about Kansas. And also, learning losing Ernst Ude Jr. Now, I would have to assume Ernst Ude Jr. left because he looked at the roster and said, there's no playing time for me. <laughs> Therefore, almost by definition, he can't be that big of a loss if you weren't going to use him much anyway. But he was really good at times last season. To me, I looked at him and went, oh, there's your next really good Kansas big. And does that matter that much for this season? No, but it's something. It's another little tiny question mark. So those are my concerns with Kansas. And then Purdue, yeah, I'm operating under the assumption Edie returns. I just have a hard time considering his draft stock and the fact that it's probably just not going to move, right? Mm-hmm. He. He is who he is. I just have a hard time seeing him turn down the opportunities that present themselves in college and the opportunity to, as we've talked about, right, be the best player in the country again, have that kind of responsibility that he probably will never have in his career. Certainly won't Mm -hmm. in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And like you said, pretty much everybody's coming back. I guess my, of course, I put him fourth. It's not like I'm concerned about Purdue. I'm just not sure how much better they can be from a regular season standpoint. That's fine. They're one of the three best regular season teams, actually. They don't need to be right. better. Right. They're, they're going to be top five. I would have to assume they're going to – right. I'm picking them to win the Big Ten, all of that kind of stuff. Just when you're talking about I, – I just – there are three teams to me that stand out ahead of them at this moment in time, because I think Marquette can take another step. And the, I mean, you laid out the way that Purdue takes another step is as the guards get better. How much better are those guards going to get? Now, certainly they can be better than last season, and that's going to be the key to making an NCAA tournament run. I just have fewer questions about Duke and Marquette, basically, is where I came down on this. I'm in a weird spot with Purdue's guards. Yeah, it's just hard to make sense of. Well, I'm also in a weird spot with Purdue's guards because, like, they just. I I don't think that people will remember the Purdue's guards next year, in a way that they're deserving of being remembered. That's probably fair. Yeah, they had a bad end of the season. They were bad for the last month of the season, just mm-hmm. straight up. So from from the February 4th game at Indiana, which they were actually pretty good in. You don't lose only by five at Indiana if your guards are bad. You just don't. From that point on, they were pretty bad. So for the last month and a half of the season, your guard play wasn't good enough. They had lost once before then. <laughs> so 
like produce guards need to like Fletcher Laura needs to be more efficient and and my guy Braden Smith needs to learn how to handle the press. Mm-hmm. Like that's 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 it. We're not talking about two guys that have to completely reinvent their game. Right. Matt and like they just need to like Matt Painter and Bra- like Braden Smith needs to needs to figure that part out. And then there's some like on the Matt Painter side of things, just kind of using what he knows about his guards to kind of formulate whether it's a better press breaking system, whether it's attacking, you know, just the philosophy of the offense and getting the ball to Zach Eadie slightly differently. Like I, I just think a little bit better. <laughs> sure. I just I, I I in the regular season, like there's just not that much that needs to happen for them to fix those issues. Their floor is incredibly high. Yes. Yeah. And and I just think we're at a point with Purdue's guards that I mean, until until February first, nobody could say better more good things about Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. Yep. Those are the same guys. Right. And and they got exposed for their weaknesses. And now they get an off season to fix those weaknesses. And if they like, they don't even have to completely eradicate them. If they're just a little better, I mean, they still went twenty six and five in the regular season, and lost four of those five games after February first. Mm-hmm. So, and and I'm a, I'm a I'm I'm clearly a a ride till I get embarrassed, <laughs> Purdue guy. But I like, and even if they are just as bad at those things as they were, like Zach Eady is still going to, it's still the national player of the year. And at some point a guy that dominant and in a conference that just like, isn't going to be that good this year. Whispers, whispers. Uh, I'm just, I'm just like, not that worried about it. Yeah. I'm not worried about it either. I'm just, Again, right, nitpicking between these teams. Also, can, is it possible for Zach Eady to get much better? I mean, no. <laughs> right, this is my thing, though. He doesn't need to get right, better. He doesn't, he doesn't He's already 25 Absolutely. and 15. Right, right, right. Just there's... Yeah. I don't think we're going to look up and go, Purdue is clearly the best team in the country now there might be a point like there was last season where we looked at that but that was well, sure but but that was more about being surprised by purdue being and that's also true the there was, that the was part of right i mean they're going to be a top five preseason team and you go oh look purdue's doing their right, right. they don't need to they're not going to surprise anybody because right. nobody's going to care when they're 13 and 0 at right. new year's this year right right yeah i'm just i'm i hear I'm, you I yeah. hear you 100%. And right, this is also not me saying that they're going to be the best team in the country. Right. You put them one spot and I'm me. and I'm out on there on like I'm not going to be there this year if they win the title. I'm not going to be there. It's not it's not going to happen. I got burned. But there are a few there are a few guys that that get that get out of their team what what Matt Painter gets yes. out of his team. Correct. There are four teams so. for me, and then there's everybody else. And so. you could, to me, you can make an argument to put those four teams in just about any order. Fair. All right, five. Well, here we go. Michigan State. 
Wow, I can't believe we're putting Michigan State at five. This was more about I didn't like my other options more okay. than it's I'm all in. To me, there is a clear gap between Purdue and Michigan State. Well, I don't expect this to be a, a really competitive one-game Big Ten title race. Let's make that part clear. And the first thing I will say is, quite simply, this team wasn't good enough last season to put it ahead of Zach Eady's team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how many pieces were added or are returning. Yeah, this is definitely going to be my my. This is definitely my. Now, give me a reason why they're going to be better other than all of their guys are coming back. And yes, Xavier Booker and Jeremy Fears coming yes. to coming into the fold is helpful. Right, but this is going to be like this is a twenty-one and thirteen team that nobody was convinced was actually that good last year. Yes, because they weren't. Because they weren't. And now, yes, and and also and also you don't have Joey Hauser, who was right. arguably like. Certainly one of your most impactful players. Right. Probably not your best player, but one of your most impactful mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, and no. the best version of Michigan State was with Joey Hauser playing well. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, right. Did, now, did, was this team good? No, not really. Did this team almost still make the Final Four? Yes. Do I really put yeah. a lot of stock in that? No. Because, as we've talked about, I don't believe in that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you do look at it, and okay, in theory, you've got your backcourt coming back, all three guys, and Malik mm. Hall, Xavier Booker, I was thinking about this. He's probably, I didn't go and actually look at the numbers, but he's got to be Michigan State's best recruit since Jaron Jackson Jr., right? I would think so. I can look for you, but I, I would think so. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who would have been in and that he level might have been, since then. He might, have, he might be better than Jaron Jackson Jr., it's possible. Depend- there seems to be some. No, dis- I lied. I lied. Jaron Jack. Jaron is the number two overall. Uh, here you go. You were you were spot on. Jaron Jackson Jr. is okay. the number two all time Michigan State recruit. Xavier Booker is three. three. There you go. Would you like to guess who's one? Oh goodness. This is a crazy list of of players. This is this is impressive. This is this is cool. I've been on this. Is it early two thousands recruit? Early 2000. It's not Mateen Cleaves. No. Jason Richardson? It's Shannon Brown. Oh, it's Shannon Brown. Yeah. Oh. Xavier Booker is the number three recruit all time. Jeremy Pierce is the 10th. Okay. Also in the top 10, Joshua Langford, Gary Harris, Brandon Dawson, uh, Delvin Rowe. Oh yeah, Delvon Rowe. Yep, yep. Uh, and then rounding out the top five with Brown, Jackson, and Booker, Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. oof, oof. Uh, and Max Christie. Oh yeah. Okay. I there forgot about Max Christie. Yeah, Max Christie was. But you were spot on. I, you were I spot on. I expect Xavier Booker to have more of an impact than Max Christie did. Max Christie was good. He just Max Christie was really good. I saw Max Christie play in Hinkle. That's right. Yeah. And he was, he was good, yeah. good ball player there. So right, you've got this. I mean, very rarely does Michigan State have two guys like this coming in. You've got all these guys coming back. They tasted NCAA tournament experience. That's going to help. It, this was more about I just feel better about them than everybody else. I also have concerns, and I do feel weird putting them next to Purdue. I want mm. to draw a line and put a space between these two teams. <laughs> 
Um, five on my list. The all-time two four seven recruits page, it, like the list is easily, it's like up there my favorite things to look at. <laughs> Just like rabbit hole. Yukon mm-hmm. is fifth for me. Okay. Because Yukon is bringing back everybody except Jordan Hawkins and Dama Snoga. Um, which is, which is big. I mean, in theory, they're both expected to remain in the draft. So I'm just assuming that they're going to remain in the draft. Um, I think, I think Donovan Klingon is going to have a really, really good year. Yeah. So, so, so he's, he's high, he's high on the list of guys that you just died. They're really hard to guard. (laughs) They're really hard to guard just because of their sheer size. Um, he's, 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 I think. Right, he's a different big than Sonogo. I think you feel the loss of Sonogo a little bit less because of what you're going to get from Klingon. Oh, it's not sure. the same. It's not the same thing. But if you're if you're losing, right? If 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 Sonogo is uh, like eight pieces of pizza, Klingon gives you like six pieces back. Right, like you don't lose the whole pie. Right, and and you know, like Jordan Hawkins had stretches where he looked like a lottery pick. And stretches where he didn't. And I just, I like between, they also have a top five recruiting class. Oh yeah. They're loaded. Yeah. One of these guys, right? I mean, like Stefan Castle is the top 10 recruit. That's the only guy inside the top 40, but you've got, you know, a guy like Jalen Stewart, who's a six, seven forward. You've got Solomon ball. Who's a shooting. Like, I just think somebody, like somebody in this recruiting class is is going to be good. Like you, like there's just going to be somebody you would think, and then they bring they bring everybody else back. So uh, Dan Hurley is spectacular, and I think that this team, right? They didn't win the I, I I and we talked about this when they won the title. They were a deserving national champion, and they were, and when they were considered the best team in the country they were worthy of it and i think they kind of were a sleeping giant that people forgot about sometimes otherwise because of their tough little stretch they went through but when you know you said there were just i didn't love my other options i think right we get to that point kind of quickly here in the top mm-hmm. 10 that there are teams that yep. you can poke holes in um i i like UConn better than Michigan State and so that's why that's why they end up here. Trivia time. Stefan Castle is the number two overall recruit in the history of UConn men's basketball. I think I got this one. And who's number one? Hashim Thabit. That's incorrect. Oh, I am sad. Uh, your hint Okafor? is that this. No, your hint is this guy played Omeka Okafor and uh, Hashim Thabit. Neither of them are in the top ten. Really? That's correct. Neither of Way them are in the top. My answers then. Neither of them are in the top 20. Hmm. No, this guy had this guy had a really this guy had a very nice NBA career uh with his main stop, his main impact stop being in Memphis. In Memphis. Early in his career. Yeah. He kind of he kind of was the he was the he was the main character of the of the the time between Powell leaving and the Grit and Grind Grizzlies really finding their stride because he wasn't really part of the Grit and Grind era. Okay, 
He also played for the Spurs, for the Raptors, for the... Why am I completely blanking on this person? He shares the name of a popular sports movie centered around the Notre Dame program. Oh! I would not have guessed Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is the number one overall recruit in UConn history. Charlie Villanueva, three. Ah. Andrew Bynum, four. Kemba, five. There's oh, okay. your top five. Okay. Um, Stefan Castle, two. And then there was another guy in this class that was like top. And then Solomon Ball is 13. I have you not like like for for a team that's won five titles since the turn of the century. That like you would expect, I would expect this list to be more impressive than it is. Yeah, but well, that, I mean, which is fine, but it's funny because when you think of the UConn players, obviously you think Kemba, but the other guys you think of, right? Shabazz Napier, Ben Gordon, mm-hmm. Rip Hamilton, Emeka Okafor. You haven't mentioned any of those guys. Nope. I'm looking. Sonogo is, I don't know, that's like 25th or so. Drummond is. Oh, yeah. I'm still I'm still scrolling, bro. Yeah, it's a testament to what Jim Calhoun did, that those, those truly great UConn teams, the first, you know, the first couple iterations with all like those I'm, NBA like guys. Like, he isn't in the top. I don't know what this list is, the fit, top 50. I, I like I'm like I'm almost like I'm almost ready to say it's a typo, but I'm sure it's not. <laughs> Anywho, um, UConn is UConn is fifth on my list, uh, have, and that that wraps my top five. I have UConn six. Okay, all right. Part of this is we don't know about Tristan Newton and Andre Jackson yet. Mm. I expect they get at least one of them back, and if both of them come back, I'll probably tweak this and move UConn into the top five. I might even do that just if Andre Jackson comes back because Andre Jackson is that important. Mm-hmm. If they lose Andre Jackson, I probably won't change this because right now for sure, and this is ultimately where my concern comes in. You talked about the freshman. You're looking at Alex Caravan, Donovan Klingon, and the freshman. Now, obviously that could change and that would change my feelings depending on what happens. Right, We, we know Sonogo's gone. Depending on what this roster actually ends up looking like. Maybe they land a transfer if all these guys end up staying. You know, this is going to have to move a little bit based on how this all plays out over the next month or so. Sure. But right now, if one of those guys comes back, to me, you can make a case either them or Michigan State. I just, until that actually happens, I gave the tiebreaker to Michigan State. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Michigan State is six for me. Okay. Yeah. I don't love it. I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I don't love it. But I also don't love the teams that follow them. So, but I don't love it. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to, it's going to depend on, on big, on big Xavier Booker here. Yes. And, and Jeremy. Fierce. Correct. Like that's, that'll, yes. that will certainly be. Certainly a big part of it. I'm okay. with you that last year's team, bringing that team back and going again, does not make Michigan State a preseason top five team. I agree with you. Number seven, what you got? The Owls. Yeah, I knew it was coming at some point. <laughs> I knew it was coming at some point. Again, it's not official. 
It certainly seems like they're all coming back, though. Sure. And this is where, again, similar to Marquette, I I couldn't put him in the top five. I couldn't do it. (laughs) No. However, I can absolutely put him in the top ten. And it's the, as I was getting to, it's the same thing as Marquette. It's not like you're looking at them going, oh, they need to take, you know, they're bringing everybody back. Look at this jump they could take. No, this was a team that was ridiculously good last season, albeit against lesser competition for the most part. And then they showed up in the NCAA tournament and they beat some better teams. Now, did they have some breaks that went their way and you know, won close games? Sure. But they were consistent from start to finish. And to me, there was nothing fluky about this. Now, if you, in terms of the overall season they had, now the idea of them getting as far as they did, sure, if you play that tournament over, they're not making the Final Four every time. They're not making the Final Four most of the time. But it's not like I have to talk myself into, look how much better they can be. I'm mm-hmm. coming at it from, look how good they already are with another year to develop. Dustin May's an excellent coach. These guys clearly want to be there and want to be around each other if they're all coming back. They're going to the AAC, so they're going to get a you know, higher level competition. And to me, they are the best team in that conference heading in, assuming everybody comes back. Yeah, that's fine. Um, they they are on they're in my top ten. Okay. They're not they're not seven. Um I I don't like I don't know how to feel. Like like I feel like th- there's part of me that thinks it's phony. Because like if they if they lose to Memphis, then nobody has them in their top twenty five. Right. Maybe not top twenty five, but like yeah. certainly no one they're not sniffing this conversation. I don't know, like you made it to the second weekend because you beat a Memphis team that I still hold as poorly coached. And then you got to play Farley Dickinson in the second round. It's. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Like they are, they're good. And them bringing everybody back helps. I just. Like, I'm not totally sure people are allowed to be up in arms about people thinking UCLA was going to be one of the three best teams in the country a few years ago and then put FAU like as a borderline top five team in the country because they went 35 and four in the conference USA. Yeah. Now, now the difference is that UCLA, this FAU team probably didn't get seated as high as they, as well as they should have. Right. Sure, but it is still fundamentally that people are thinking about FAU because of their NCAA yes. tournament run in the same You're way they're thinking right. they yes. thought about UCLA because their NCAA tournament run. Yes. And right, that, that UCLA team that almost lost in the first four. Correct. Yes. To further your point. The other thing, yeah, and, and that's what's weird about this, is that you and I both picked them to beat Tennessee. Right. right? <laughs> At the same time as they almost didn't get there, and we're not talking about Fort Atlantic if they didn't. Right. It's this mutual respect and also acknowledgement that the NCAA tournament run has a lot to do with this. And if you play it again, it doesn't make them any less of a team. It's just sometimes it doesn't go your way, which is why you can't put too much stock in NCAA tournaments. And also that is how you build, you know, your brand in the awareness if you're Florida Atlantic. Right. It's it's a very strange sort of combination of things, yes. 
Yeah, it is. And if they were like 21 and 10 last year and like won the Conference USA tournament, so that's why they got to get in, then I'd really be up in arms about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have them in my top 10. Yeah. But does your – like if if all of those guys are just as good as they were last year, like this is a little bit of the Marquette thing because they're not the sixth best team in the country if those guys don't get any better. No. Top 15? I just think it's interesting because it's not like they weren't in the conversation last year and they were still a top 30 Kimpom team before their run. Like people saying, well, they finished 17th at Kimpom. Yeah, sure. But they also went to the final four. Right. I'm more interested in where they were at the end of the regular season, but it was still top 30. Right. So, they were a borderline uh, top 25 team last year. Full right. stop. Right. Whether people so, were paying attention to them or not. Right. So if 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 you believe that the, that team's going to get better, and, and no, I just told you that they were in my top ten. So I'm just playing, I'm playing devil's advocate, devil's advocate here. But you can't put, and not just you, just people. If you don't think Florida Atlantic's players are going to be better next year, then you can't put them in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same team, and they weren't a top ten team last year, right? And and if you didn't think, and I'm just like I I I don't I don't think that you should. I just don't think that tournament run should change your mind. If you like, they 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 played Memphis, Firely Dickinson, and Tennessee without Zakai Ziegler. That's who they played. That's who they beat in the first three games. Now they beat Kansas State. That's fine. I, that's why I stopped there. Yeah, <laughs> but if I but the, but if they like upset Kansas State in the first round and then lost in the second round, nobody would care that they beat Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the the other thing I'll throw out there that makes this a little bit different is coming from Conference USA. Right now, they did play a few teams here or there in non conference, but they didn't really get an opportunity to play a stretch of games like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they went See, out. But like that's my thing. What do you mean by stretch of games like that? You mean Kansas State and San Diego State? More than the other three, or just five games of that? Now, again, you. This is all again. Relative. There, there were three games of that stretch. Though right. you'd be like, "Cool, that's a good stretch for Florida Atlantic." They played Memphis and Farley Dickinson. Otherwise, right. Two I, games I, that they the, wouldn't the have FDU had any trouble thing getting. Kind of throws right now, because if, if you're thinking of looking at that as a Big Ten or a Big Twelve team, that's nothing. If you're looking at it as a Conference USA team, that's the best stretch of five games that Fort Atlantic probably sure. played all season. Sure. Right. So to deliver and to get those wins, very, I don't want to say validates, but further reinforces the idea that what they did in the regular season is real. That they weren't just beating up on teams that were worse than them. That they actually can play with the better teams in the country. Now the question is, can they play with the best teams? See, this in the is this is the thing I disagree with. They didn't. They played. They played one of the better teams in the country. Of like truly one of the ten best teams in the country all year. They played one right. in that run. Right, which is why I said better, not best. Because the question is, can they play with the best teams in the country? And the answer to that, we don't know, because maybe Kansas State's a top ten team. Maybe. Maybe that's all we've got. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. That there are questions. I, I'm actually to the point where I am more convinced in FAU's regular season success next season that I am another NCAA tournament run for that reason. 
That's probably fair. To me, they're real. That's they fair. are really, really good. Now, does that mean they're going to go do what they did again? No, because that's just not how it works. And and like the most people who will say what you just said will say it because they went to the final four, right? Not because they were actually, not because they actually watched them be really good in the regular. Season. And I'm not going to pretend like I watched Florida Atlantic during the regular season either. But I at least knew that they were right. They were in the top 25. They had a couple good right. wins. They were a really good basketball team. Right. Yeah. Um. Seven on my list, right? We're at seven. Yes. Is that correct? You just did seven. Yes. Um, seven on my list is Houston. Okay. Jamal Shedd, Juan Roberts, Manuel Sharp. This is just a team that, this is just a well-oiled machine that wins lots of basketball games. And got and, two big-time transfers, LJ Kreiner and Damian Dunn. That's correct. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have little else to say. <laughs> I have Houston eight. Okay. <laughs> for for um, that for that reason. And Juwan Roberts, yeah, I mean. Yeah. They're gonna, the the question is, okay, that you you're not looking at that team and seeing the all American that makes him one of the national title favorites. I mean, that's the hole you're poking. <laughs> yeah. And and there are about four guys that I could that you could tell me are gonna be they're all American. I'd be like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. LJ Cryer is going to have an all American type year. Sure. Sure. Jamal shed. Sure. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. You know? Um, so there's just, there's, there, there's overflowing talent there and, uh, and I'm cool and I'm cool with them. Um, they're seven for me. Um, eight on my list is Arkansas. Oh, okay. Five of their top eight scorers, Trevon Bazil, Devo Davis, Jordan Walsh. And like, I just, I'm like not totally sure. Now, RC4, not in the fold. That's tough. <laughs> RC4, the best player on Arkansas's team last year. Um, I'm just like not totally sure how much not having Nick Smith on your basketball team makes you, is like you're actually missing out on that based on at least what you got last year. Um, you add, you add Trum, Tremont Mark, um, shouts to Caleb battle, uh, transferring as well. Five-star prospects, Bay fall, Layden blocker. I mean, we're, we've got talent out the wazoo for the must bus. The, the talent on the must bus is leaking out of the windows right now. And, and, uh, another sweet 16, sign me up another top 15, top 10 team, sign me up. And, um, that's uh Florida Atlantic is, 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 is going to sneak in here, but when like the talent of Houston and Arkansas, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm going to default to that with two coaches of the quality of, of, of Musselman and, um, and Samson. Oh, I'm, Dusty May is, I can't say he's Dusty May with- is not a better coach than either of those guys yet. He does not have the chops. He went to the Final Four once and beat Farley Dickinson, Memphis, and Tennessee halfway there. Can I finish my sentence, please? Sure. <laughs> he is certainly not on the level of Kelvin Sampson. Okay. Unequivocally. Absolutely. Are you putting him on the level of the guy who's made three straight Sweet 16s right no, now? No. However, Arkansas... 
living up to expectations hasn't always happened in the regular season, right? I mean, I guess. That, that, I mean, when uh, was the last time an, a healthy Arkansas team disappointed you? Well, I guess that's first. Last time they were the only was the the first time where they didn't really take anybody by surprise, making a. I, they lost their big man, their most talented big, and the 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 cream of the recruiting crop last year was hurt for most of the season. Right, I, that was your disappointing year. Right. Yeah, there are extenuating circumstances last season. But, well, I was talking more about this idea of they Dusty didn't... May before last year, 19 and 15, 13 and 10, 17 and 15, 17 and 16 in Conference USA. Deserves all the credit in the world for turning that clearly like dump of a program when yes. he got there into what it was. Deserves all the credit. But it's not yeah, like he was winning 28 games no. every year. No, he's not he's not Muslim. I I I do give a lot of credit to guys who can to coaches who can rebuild programs like that. We'll say that he's not there yet. I just don't think he's if they deliver this season, he's not all that far away going to, to Arkansas though. Yeah. uh, One, don't forget how good Trevor Brazil was before he got hurt. Uh Uh-huh. Two, I'm a big Tremont Mark guy. Love that addition. Sure. And three, the definitive pieces of the roster, it's going to get added to in some way. Whether it's Jordan Walsh and or Devo Davis coming back, whether it's Ron Holland committing to Arkansas, who is also this big unknown that's sitting out there is, you know, arguably the best high school player in the country. <laughs> and if none of those guys somehow end up there, there are enough guys in the portal, must will find another one. <laughs> you know, they're they're going to be really, really good again. And I have nine. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Who is eight then? Houston. Did you give me an eight? Oh, Houston is eight. Yeah. Okay. Are we so have you've, given me, you've given me one through nine, right? Yes. <sighs> FAU is 10. I'm just okay. going to give you it now. Okay. FAU is 10. And 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 you'll be you'll be proud of me. I put FAU in here because it's more fun for me to put FAU in there instead of putting both Alabama and Creighton in there when I'm just like not super inspired by either of them. Um, you still would have, you were still considering Creighton? Yeah, you were not. No, I mean they're certainly a top twenty-five team. All of a sudden, it's not the same team. Kaluma's in the portal. Nemhard's gone. Now they still have Baylor Shireman, Stephen Ash. I mean, they're going to be good. I mean, Baylor Shireman, Stephen Ashworth. <laughs> the, the other yeah. players from last season. They're going to be good. Yeah, I just... No, I didn't really give them much consideration for top 10. Interesting. Okay. To me, they're more of a top 15 team. Until I guess until I'm going to go... It. I guess I'm going to go Alabama at nine. Four of the top seven. Scores, regular season SEC, SEC tournament, number one overall seed. All of those fun things. Um, I, I'm not putting a team that's 
that all of their success is based on if their freshmen are good. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I don't care how good Kentucky's freshmen are. Um, I don't think John Calipari is a good X's and O's coach anymore. So, um, and I don't think he cares if he's a good X's and O's coach anymore. So, um, if they're if they're awesome, great. I'm not putting them in the top ten though. Um, Alabama adding couple couple pieces in the portal. Couple nice pieces, yeah. Nice pieces in the portal. Um, they're just still kind of they're kind of oozing talent all over the place. You know what? FAU is nine, and I'll just put somebody. I'll just put somebody ten. Alabama, you sound sounds great. Sounds great. Sounds so great. Have, at 10. We have the same ten then. It's so boring. How did we manage to do that? I also have Alabama ten. Yeah, Aaron Estrada, Mark Sears, Latrell Whitesell Jr., and Ryan Griffin, not a bad place to start. And that's before you talk about the likelihood, I guess, or prob- probability of bringing back Charles Bediaco and Javon Quinterly. And also, like Muss, if both those guys don't come back, Nate Oates will find somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, these guys are transfer portal monsters. They'll, Arthur Kalumo will end up in Tuscaloosa if that's what needs to happen. I don't know. They are, and I really like Rylan Griffin, and I'm sad that Jaden Bradley, I mean, he's going to get the same kind of opportunity at Arizona, but the way that last year's roster worked out, it was easy to forget about how good the rest of that recruiting class was outside of Brandon Miller because they just didn't have as large of a role to play because of everybody else who was already there. Mm-hmm. And the addition of a guy like Mark Sears, who was obviously going to play big minutes because He's a really good player. So now you get the opportunity for somebody like Rylan Griffin, who to me was ready last season to play a much bigger role, to actually get that role and to step into more responsibility this season. And I have all the faith in the world that he's capable of doing that. I really liked what I saw from him, and I really liked what I saw from Jaden Bradley when they played. They just didn't play all that much because they were lower on the pecking order. So that's the other part of this too is – there are some spots where you're going, how do you fill that hole? And this is kind of what we're talking about Kansas, right? Where you go, oh, well, there are natural kind of successors usually to those spots. And you go, okay, well, they lost an All-American. Can they go find, not that Ryan Griffin's going to be an All-American, but Kansas, right? Can they go find that next guy to be the focal point of the offense? And you go, and then you look up in March, you go, oh, well, no, duh, Jalen Wilson's one of the best players in the country. That's just how it happens, right? He was there all along. He just didn't get the opportunity. I kind of feel Mm. like we're going to see, to a lesser degree, some of that with Alabama this season, where you go, oh, these guys really are that good. And Javon Quinterly, too, if he comes back, Mm -hmm. right? More limited role last season just because of him coming back off the injury, the way the roster ended up playing out the success they were having. Wouldn't be surprised if he has a monster season if he's got more responsibility. You know, Mark Sears, same thing. That. There's a lot of guys who have been there now that I expect to be even better this season now that Brandon Miller isn't, for very good reasons, kind of running the show. I think you're right. I think you're right. What were the other teams you're considering for 10? Yeah, Kentucky. I'm with you, though. I'm gonna need, I, That was my big mistake last season. I'm not making that again. I need to <laughs> see it to believe it. 
Sure. I guess Creighton a little bit. Uh, what about what about some of these West Coast teams? Gonzaga, USC. USC, uh, I didn't really consider. Gonzaga, I gave some thought to. St. Mary's a little bit. Miami. Miami's up there. It's a team, right? You lose Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, which is two thirds of kind of that that guard nucleus, but still Matthew Cleveland. Not, yeah, Nigel Pack leading the charge there. You had Matthew Cleveland. Yeah, I didn't. I guess if I had to pick another team, it'd probably be Gonzaga. Sure. I just felt pretty strong about these ten. Yeah, I kind of felt strong about seven of them. <laughs> Maybe eight. Maybe eight. I could be in on eight. But but really it was like the top six. Top five, really. Kansas, UConn, Purdue, Marquette, and Duke. Like that was the top top five I was really in on. And then kind of piecing together the back half. I have some I have some reservations about UConn. Okay. Not that they're going to be bad, but this this idea of oh look they won the NCAA tournament they're gonna go do it again. I mean, maybe gotta see what that. There's no ends up. way you just belittled their season to oh they won the turn they won the tournament, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to like suggest, but it's kind of weird. It's kind of become that. Getting to the final four is not indicative of how good you are. Right. I mean, if you think about the last few years. Right. And that's what makes what makes them strange is last year's team, one hundred percent. No questions about that team. That team was built around Jordan Hawkins and Adamas Nogo. Sure. Right. And uh, you're asking freshmen basically to fill those roles, probably. Now, You're not Andre, asking a freshman to fill Adama Snogo's role. Yes, Adama Snogo, and, and that's that is the one thing you have is that right, like Alabama, Donovan Kling is sitting there. You don't need to worry about that part of it. Now the question is, what when Snogo wasn't on the floor when Snogo was in foul trouble, you just got to throw Donovan Klingon out there, right? Right. That causes a lot of problems. Now you don't have that luxury because Klingon's obviously going to be your you know twenty five thirty minute a night guy, right? They're going to be very good. I'm just not willing to kind of go, oh, they are the favorites to repeat. Everybody else is trying to catch them. Maybe oh, no, I don't have- think so. I just think they're on that list of teams that's better, that list of five teams that's better than everybody else. In the yes, and I, I would agree that they're, if especially if Jackson and or Newton come back, I would flip them in Michigan State and have them fifth. Sure. I would go that far. Yeah. Sure. All right, anything else? I think we've talked long enough. I think we did. I think we did. Top 10 teams on May 15th, normal, yeah, normal probably, college We might have to things. just revisit this in a month. <laughs> you might be right. You might Depen- be right. Depending on how the transfer portal winds up and how the draft decisions go. I would agree with, the, I would agree with that assessment. All right. We'll be back next week. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. And we will see you in roughly seven days from now. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.